Feeling better? Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Life Tip Show. Happy 2017, by the way. I'm here with Sean Swarner. Sean, welcome. Hey, Byron. How you doing, man? Fine, thanks. We're going to journey a couple tens of thousands of feet today in this conversation <laughs> <laughs> to, to your story. You, of course, are the author of Keep Climbing. I love that as a concept. And that's kind of a, kind of reminds me of the Forrest Gump story where <laughs> he just keeps running across the United States and one of the movie. But uh, you have climbed some serious mountains. Mount Everest, of course, one of them. Um, some, some peaks in Africa, Europe, South America, Australia, Antarctic, North America, all over the place, and thus completing what you call the Seven Summits. Um, and uh, tell us a little bit about your first book before we dive into your latest development. Uh, when did you write that book, Sean? And, and um, obviously, you've got some deep inspiration of how you beat cancer, so we want to hear a little bit about that, and then I'll ask you some more questions. Tell us about the first book. Yeah, for sure. It was actually, uh, I think I wrote it in 2008, and um, it was kind of like an homage for everything I've done, and I wanted to dedicate it to everybody touched by cancer because I became the first cancer survivor to summit Everest, and even did so with one lung and just wanted to really give people some hope. Hmm. Very cool. And you've had a couple of forms of cancer. Let's go into your various bouts at the age of 13 and then 16. Um, you know, wow, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's not great. Tell us, tell us what that was like in your life and how you overcame some of the challenges. Well, you know, like I'm sure you can imagine my friends were out chasing girls having a great time with their lives and worrying about, uh, you know, being with the, uh, the in crowd, uh, 13, I was diagnosed with advanced four stage Hodgkin's lymphoma. And as an eighth year, the doctors only gave me three months to live. Luckily, um, you know, I, I got through it, it got through that cancer and went into remission and I was in remission for roughly a year when I was going in for a checkup for the first cancer, they found another cancer that was completely unrelated to the first one. And that was called Askin sarcoma. And as a sixteen year old, uh, I pretty much told myself, my family, my mom, my dad, my brother, Hey, your kid has fourteen days to live. Wow. Well you got through that hurdle. And uh, did you go through chemotherapy for both of those or radiation therapy? I, or I, I did. So the first one was just totally um, chemotherapy and prednisone. I, mean, I, I gained 70 pounds. So I was 70 wow. pounds overweight, bald from head to toe. And wow. uh, the second time I went through chemo and radiation. And every time I was in for a treatment for the chemotherapy, the doctors, because it was so, so rare. And I'm actually the only person who's ever had Hodgkin's and Askin's. They didn't know how to treat it. but So every time I was in the hospital, they actually put me in a medically induced coma. I don't even remember being 16 years old. Wow. And how long did that coma last? So it was, it was kind of on and off throughout the year. I would go in. So my, my cycle was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then I'd be released from the to recover because you can't but handle another onslaught of chemotherapy. And so your red blood counts are higher. Your, your blood cells are uh, increased a little bit. And then I went back in Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and that would be one cycle. So every time I was in the hospital, that's when they kind of gave me the the drip in the IV and said, uh, you know, welcome to La La Land. We'll talk to you when you're done. Wow. Whew, and how long did that last? 
How long? That was for about a year. Wow. In and out for about a year. So if I did the math correctly, you might have had four good days that you had, you were not basically in a coma other than the weekend. <laughs> Is that right? So the after you did the, the final Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, by Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was trying to recharge your, your red blood cells and get some energy back so you could go in and complete the seven-day cycle with a slight intermission in between. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like wow. I said, I, I, I don't remember being 16 years old except for the one month of radiation therapy because it was kind of in the middle of the chemotherapy. And I remember that really vividly because I was, you know, I'm actually the only person I believe to, uh, to have a driver's license in the state of Ohio taken with a hat on because I was bald from head to toe again, the going around the second time. Wow. Whew. This is pretty, uh, pretty, pretty intense. So, so you got through that program and, and that alone is a miracle to have, to, 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 to have that much intensity uh, placed upon your body. What happened with school, and how did you get back to a semi-normal life? How did that transition go? <laughs> One step at a time. That, that's actually a great question. So many people see the end result of everything, and they, they, they see the beginning, and they see the end, and they want this immediate satisfaction, this instant gratification. You can't do that. People just didn't see. My first goal was to go from the hospital bed to the bathroom so I wouldn't throw the sheets and, and you know, without getting too vulgar, throwing up on myself. So it was literally one step at a time and just pushing myself a little bit better than a little bit harder than I did yesterday and a little bit harder than I did yesterday and a little bit harder than I did the day before. So just small increments, one step, one step, one step. Did you keep building goals in your mind once you accomplish things and look for the next step? Was that part of your protocol? So I, that's exactly what I did, but I started at the end with the end in mind. And for me, it, it was completing and winning the uh, the 50 meter breaststroke in my uh, summer league swimming championships, and that I worked backwards from there, thinking, okay, you know, I have a year or so to do that. What do I have to do today? What do I have to do tomorrow? What do I have to do, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to reach that goal? Wow. Okay, so you get out of the hospital and you're told what? It looks like it was successful. Once again, try to carry on a normal life again. You had had failure once before, but so what was your whole attitude? Were you convinced that that was going to be it, that you were going to be fine from this moment forward? You know, it's it's kind of different and interesting coming from a survivor's perspective. And you know, I've spoken to a number of people who've gone through cancer and they kind of feel the same way. When you go in for your last treatment and the doctor looks at you and says, okay, we're done, you're in remission. The family members of support, everybody who else is, whoever else is there supporting you through this whole journey because cancer is not an individual disease. You know, everybody goes through it with you. Everybody's excited, and I wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. for the first time, I was just thinking, okay, well, my, my future literally oftentimes was the next day. Mm-hmm. I was going one day at a time. I was fighting, fighting this disease. I was fighting for my life. And now the doctor says, okay, you have the rest of your life ahead of you. Go out and enjoy it. And I just kind of thought to myself, well, what do I do now? Interesting. Let's take a quick break. Back in a minute, everybody. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, 
SoSocial, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. SoSocial is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let SoSocial give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Do you have cold, hard cash burning a hole in your pocket? Let Cranberry Radio lighten your load. Just hand us that burdensome dinero and we'll get you set up with your very own radio show. We produce, edit, and amplify the show. All you have to do is show up. It's time for you to make an impact. We're glad to help. Just hand over the cash. Space is limited. So contact us now at sales at cranberry.fm. Money doesn't grow on trees. So you'll probably have a better chance of growing your business with cranberries. What? Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back. I'm here with Sean Swarner. Great to have you on the show today. Fast forward a little bit and get into the book because everyone's excited to hear about that. What is it about climbing mountains and the life-threatening conditions in climbing large mountains like the ones that you have done <laughs> with uh, wind mile, you know, wind gusts a gajillion miles an hour and lack of oxygen and snow and deadly avalanches? What could possibly attract you to that sort of condition, given all that you went through? And you'd think that you'd be rather risk averse in your life, Sean. Explain that to us, please, please. Uh, it, it's kind of funny because um, I, you know, I, I know nothing about your personal life, but I'm assuming that you, it almost sounds like you have children. So that's children. kind of how. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, that's kind of how my parents looked at it. Like, we didn't get you through two cancers to go kill yourself on a hunk of rock and ice. You know, what, what the hell is wrong with you, kids? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, it was, 
it was something I wanted to do, and I've I've always pushed myself. I, I had always been uh, athletic, and I, I had always mm-hmm. pushed myself to to better myself, and not necessarily be the best, but just mm-hmm. to be my best. You know, and and by being my best, I just kept pushing myself better than the day before, etc. Like but like I mentioned before, mm-hmm. and I, I I knew that I was working on my master's and my doctorate in counseling psychology, and I wanted to be a psycho oncologist, which is a psychologist for cancer patients. Because of everything I went through, which made sense. But those were the same reasons I couldn't do it because I would be too emotionally attached to somebody. You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to handle losing a patient. And I, I knew that life was too precious and short. And I really wanted to to make a difference in the lives of, of people around the world who've been touched by cancer. And I figured if uh, somebody's going to climb Everest after having cancer and he's going to be the first person to do that, why not me? Why not for the right reasons? And use it as a 29,000-foot platform to scream hope. Hmm. I'll just intersect the audience uh, who's listened to me talk before knows uh, that I, I had a uh, I battled myself with, with actually testicular cancer um, so, some time ago, and with a good sense of humor, I decided to help other people and, and help fund cancer research by starting a golf tournament called the Lost Ball Golf Tournament. <laughs> so so if, if you and or any guests listening in uh, want to go to lostball.org, you can actually see some of the fun invitations we put together. We raised over $100,000 for the Jimmy Fund here in Boston over a 10-year time period, and it was uh, it was my my outlet, um, uh, but I got to tell you, a golf tournament is a little bit less risky and dangerous than climbing uh, <laughs> mountains. So hats off to you. How were you able to get your? How long did it take for you to get your body back in shape? I mean, you're you're an accomplished uh, Ironman World Championship champion in, in Hawaii, and you've obviously put a lot of time and energy into your body. Um, and your body has become somewhat of a temple for you, I assure. But how long did that transition take? Well, I was actually um, placed for mission when I was 17, and I summited Everest 10 years later. Wow. Um, you know, because I, well, I, I, I went to college. I wanted to be a normal kid for a while. I, I unfortunately turned into Belushi from Animal House. I had a too, much, too much fun. <laughs> oh, that's just hysterical. Life. Good for you. Um, <laughs> no, I, was, I was reliving my high school years, and, Right. Uh, I, I went to grad school, and that's when I decided, all right, well, let's go do this. And I just kept pushing myself more and more and more and more. And, you know, kind of like what you, what you just said with the sense of humor, it, it definitely has to be there, and you can't mm-hmm. take life too seriously. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, how, how, how is the book, writing the book and, and talking about the book, affected your own life? Um, just bring us through that journey before we talk about what you're doing now. You know, that's that's a really interesting uh, idea because uh, when I when I started writing the book, you know, I, I would go through everything that I went went through in my mind, and I would have to sit down and I wouldn't write it straight through. I started with certain chapters. So say I'd sit down, I've had I'd have you know a couple beers, I'd write about college, or I'd I'd sit and watch a really sad movie, and I'd write about going through the, the treatment. And the worst part was actually going through my mom's journal when she wrote about everything that I was going through when I was in in that coma and when I was going through it for the first time at 13. Mm-hmm. And it just really struck me. Oftentimes, I'm thinking that maybe it was worse on my parents than it was on me. Mm-hmm. So just thinking back, and, and it was almost cathartic, you know, writing what I was going through. Mm-hmm. But it was worse looking at my mom's journal and transcribing that into the book because it was word for word what she wrote when I was when I was literally throwing up on myself and because I was high as a kite with the with the chemotherapy and drugs 
I took a trip to the moon and back. You know, I mean, I mean, imagine seeing your 13-year-old son who's just completely out of it because of the medicine that's supposedly not killing him but killing the disease that's inside of him. Hmm. Interesting. Let's go to your current endeavor, which is a, a, an ebook series um, uh, called Everest Being Unstoppable. And it's book one of seven summits to, uh, to success series, um, which obviously taps into the seven summits on seven continents. So tell, tell us a little bit about your, your vision there and what you're trying to do and why you're doing it. For sure. No, that, that's great. Thanks for asking. Um, it kind of hit me one day because I'm a motivational keynote speaker and I was up on stage talking about Everest and everything I went through and almost falling into a crevasse, losing a friend on the mountain, seeing literally where he landed on the ice because the snow was blood red. And it hit me as a Socrates corporation, no one can relate to what I'm talking about. You know, no one knows what it's like climbing Everest with one lung. You know, no one, no one in the audience knew what it was like to even push themselves up a, a, the largest mountain in the world. So what hit me was, you know, people love the drama. People love the stories, but I need to make it relatable. So on Everest, um, becoming unstoppable, I start on the side of the mountain, and then I flash back to being a teenager growing up in Willard, Ohio. And I kind of work my way through and back up to Everest. So that way people can relate to the character, you know, the the nice, ethical, moral Midwest Sean Swarner, who is now on the side of the mountain, who's literally dying again because my brain was swelling from altitude sickness. And then interwoven in there are actually stories. Uh, within the stories are lessons that I learned to get me where I was to become the first cancer survivor to summit Everest and relatable stories that people can understand so that they, they can then use the same tips and tools that I use to make history. And there's 90% of fun and adventure, and then 10% of it written by a co-author, nine, co-author of mine, Lance Snow. He's at the back and, and just spells it out. This is what Sean did, and this is how you can do it, too. Interesting. Very cool. Very cool. So are the, are the thoughts – so you, you've released the first uh, of seven summits, Everest, and are you going to conquer – are the are each of these series going to be another peak in an, on another continent? Exactly. So the one I'm working on right now is Kilimanjaro should be released. Um, I'm guessing the end of February, and then March I'm going to be working on Elbrus, which is the highest mountain in um, Europe. And then after that, it'll just kind of go, go in a sequence of in the same order that I summited those mountains: South and Africa, then, South America, Australia, yeah. Antarctic, North America. Um, yep. Yep. Got it. And um, okay. So, are you are you recapping what you thought about while you were doing this climbing, and or, or how it correlates to your life and the lessons that could be learned? Explain to me the correlation of the stories of what you're thinking and the series. So something happened to me um, on each mountain that made me reflect back to an earlier, more relatable time in my life, and. It's just those lessons that I learned of how I got there. So for Everest, the way I summited Everest is I focused on the end result and I made it real in my mind. I did a lot of visualization, which made me reflect back to going through chemo. And I talk about this in the book where when I was 13 and I was going through the cancers, I literally pictured myself. I don't know. Have you ever read any Calvin and Hobbes, the old old comic strip? Yeah. Yeah. Like eons, eons ago, right? Yes, exactly. He's a little guy um, who has an imaginary tiger, 
and he goes on these adventures. And one of his uh, alter egos is Spaceman Spiff. And when I was younger, I pretended like I was Spaceman Spiff. I was in uh, the, the IV bag, the chemotherapy bag that was dripping into the IV tube. And I was in my space shuttle going through the tube. And I could look out and see my body laying next to me in the hospital bed. I could see the hospital room. And I kept getting pushed further and further until I got into my blood system. And I pictured myself flying through my blood system and into the heart, which was like the control center, where all of us got launched out to go destroy the chemotherapy, to destroy the cancer cells. And I had nice. missiles and everything that were loaded with chemotherapy that would go into the heart of the disease. Wow. Same thing I did for climbing Mount Everest, where I laid down before I went to bed. I pictured myself on top, and I used as many emotions as I could, as many senses as I could. I heard the crunching of the snow. I smelled the ozone. So that way, I believe that if, if you, the more emotionally attached you are to the end result, the more likely you'll put in the work to make it happen. Who is, the, who is this book series really designed for? I notice you don't use the word cancer in any of the, the name structure that you have for at least the first book, but who are you targeting this for? People who want to elevate their performance, people who want to take, take themselves to the next step, the next level, and people who, who are going through cancer. You know, unfortunately, the word cancer has such a negative stigma to it that we try to stay away from it because everybody thinks it's, it's so bad. But, you know, we're hoping to slowly change that and make people realize that life and anything you go through, for me, it was cancer. But anybody, like car accident, anything, it's all about perspective and you always have a choice on how you want to see that. You know, for me, cancer was one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. But in that same breath, I'm going to say it was one of the best things that's ever happened to me because of my perspective. We need to change the name of cancer to CureSor or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, do people feel motivated when they read one of the books? How would you describe how you want people to feel? I want them to feel inspired and empowered. In that order? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one out of two wouldn't be too bad. I'll just happy with one of those. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. What are you What are you doing now professionally? I'm just curious. I'm sure some fans out there might want to hear that. Sure. Right now, I'm actually a keynote motivational speaker, and um, I'm training for what's called the Explorers Grand Slam, which is the seventh summit that you mentioned and trekking to the North and South Pole. And when I go to the North Pole in April, I'll actually complete the Explorer, Explorer's Grand Slam. I'll be the first cancer survivor to do that. And if you toss in the Hawaii Ironman, like you mentioned before, I'll be the first person in history to do that. And I want to take a flag that has names of people touched by cancer to the top of the world with me. Fantastic. How can people follow you, follow you and get a hold of you? That's easy. Just go to SeanSwarner.com. Sean like Sean Connery and Swarner like the Warner Brothers, but slap on an ass with the front. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Wonderful visual there as well for us all. It's probably an expressive of your entire life, frankly, to correlate yourself to Warner Brothers. <laughs> um, well, probably is, true. <laughs> well, my final question for you is, who would you like to get a hold of you? Tell us a little bit about that. Who would I like to get a hold of me? Wow. I don't think I've ever had anyone ask me that question before, but I just had a phone call um, with a lady over in the UK and we were talking about getting the Royal family involved and we want to get the queen to, because ever since I was, I, I think five when I was um, infatuated with Sir Arthur and the, and the, the Knights of the round table joking, <laughs> I told her, well, 
you know, one of my goals would be to to get knighted. I think that would be awesome. So maybe if, if that would happen, I think that'd, that'd be something pretty cool to send a postcard home to mom and dad about. No surprise that you have some ambitious goals. So that's <laughs> it's good to hear you're keeping up with your own pace. Um, but that's fantastic. Do you do you like cancer patients to reach out to you and, and connect with you and uh, send you a note or Ab- comments? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I believe we'll, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. I love hearing other people's stories, and we can always learn something from somebody else. What kind of organizations are you doing keynotes for? I'm curious. Any any corporate uh, organizations, any cancer organizations, hospitals, fundraisers, it doesn't matter. Anybody who listens to me talk, because I'm just trying to, trying to slowly, one person at a time, change the world, and I need a little help. Terrific. Well, Sean, I want to thank you for being a guest with us today. It's been real, it's been a lot of fun and, and, and ter- terrific to learn about your your journey. My pleasure. Thank you for sharing the story. I really appreciate it. Indeed. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you next next week at the Life Tip Show. Hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser, and you're more excited to conquer all the seven summits of the world or whatever your own challenges are. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 